Hello and welcome to this latest CN podcast. I'm Anthony Myers. In this episode, I talk to Michael Kidney, CEO of the Petrade Foundation, about the impact of the climate crisis on its farmers and the value and trust behind the Fairtrade Certification Programme in regards to cocoa. But first, I asked him about the Fairtrade Fortnite campaign here in the UK and what are the main themes this year. Take a listen. Well, this Fairtrade Fortnite, we're asking people to take positive climate action. Um, and I mean, I presume in the face of Storm Eunice and the other storms we've had in the last couple of weeks, I'm sure the urgency of this message won't be lost on anyone. Um, Fairtrade is all about getting a better deal for farmers and workers, the, the people who grow and make the, the our staple products every day. Um, they are very much on the front line of the climate crisis. Um, they are, the farmers tell us, they are they are finding, feeling the effects of climate every day. Um, and it's in all of our interests, if we want to continue to enjoy these products in the future, um, that they are enabled to fight the climate crisis. And the big problem is they have the technology, they have the expertise, but they do not have the finance. And that's the message this is fair trade format. Okay. Um... Fairtrade, I, I believe, has over like 1.8 million producers worldwide, a lot of them in uh, low-income countries, and they, they are struggling. Uh, the, the, the COP26 um, conference last, last year in Glasgow has pledged, um, you know, 100 billion um, to, to these nations. Was there disappointment with Fairtrade in the outcome of that? Did you expect more? Um, well, it would have been, I mean, yes, we would have been good to have clearer and faster progress. There was, there was some progress. So, you know, there was a, there was a commitment to to additional finance, particularly on deforestation, and that is really important. But there's a big difference between a decision agreed in principle between governments and then that funding actually making it into the hands of farmers. Farmers have seen very little, to be honest, um, particularly smallholder farmers. And of course, there are 500 million smallholder farmers in the in the world who grow most of the world's food. Um, and unless they are equipped to, with literally with the funding in their hands, they won't be able to uh, invest in their farms. And I mean, we must remember you know, this is an important part about fair trade. Um, currently, farmers are facing a triple whammy. You know, like us, they've all been battling through the pandemic, and that's caused huge health and welfare problems. But secondly, they are already suffering from long-term uh, exploitative low pricing. Uh, you know, it's 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 you know it's something which Fairtrade has campaigned on for years. That very often, even in staple products like coffee and tea, farmers do not earn enough to be able to look after their families, feed their children, send them to school. On top of this, the third aspect is when now we need them to invest more in their farms to tackle the climate crisis. It's impossible without the funding. And a lot of the sustainability discussions are looking at projects which are being driven by companies or well-intentioned in, uh, organizations. But unless there is an, a, a, a way of addressing farmer poverty, who, who's going to do the work? And what we hear from Fairtrade, because we're, as you know, co-owned by the farmers and we work with nearly two million of them. Um, what we know is that farmers, they know what they need to do to look after their farms. You know, they, they are stewards of their land. They are experts. All they need is the wherewithal, the working capital, the finance, so they can 
do what they know needs to be done, planting shade trees, improving irrigation, improving soil health, detoxifying the soil, uh, working to grow uh, climate resilient strains of crops. They're they're on their way. They just need that extra funding. And so the message really with Fairtrade Fortnite is for consumers, think before you shop. If you look for a Fairtrade product when you go shopping, it puts additional funding directly into the hands of farmers and fair trade is unique in doing that and of course if you're a business sourcing these commodities from around the world this is a security of supply issue so you know according to the un half of the land available for coffee production is going to halve by is going to go rather by 2050 because of the climate crisis so these supplies of global commodities are under intense pressure. Funding farmers today helps improve your security supply for tomorrow. Wow, wow. Uh, I, I, absolutely, this you, you've, you've just perfectly um, encapsulated what, what Fair Trade stands for and, and the, the, impact it, the positive impact it has. There's something in, in the report you've just released this week for the for your fair trade fortnight, which I've just pulled out, and um, which is quite interesting, really. It's um, basically fair trade seeking a public understanding of the links between decent incomes for farmers and climate resilience is low. But then, paradoxically, but there is a strong public willingness to address inequality caused by exploitative trade and climate change. It's, it's it's a very it's an interesting um, fact, isn't it? Really, um, you know, they they want to help, but they, there's an ignorance still. And how how can you how can you reinforce that message um, further? Would you say? It's a very good point. I mean, perhaps that's yeah. been the job of fair trade for you know the 25 and more years yes. that we've been yeah. in existence, which is people mostly want to do the right thing. You know, so, yeah. so if if they're informed, if they're aware, you know, they don't want to be part of exploitative trade or trade that is making the planet dirtier um, given a choice they will opt for the most ethical route um, and i think i think what has happened recently with the climate crisis has been people see the weather events so the you know the three storms we've had in the last you know couple yes. of weeks um, so so you look at you look at the instances of of the weather problems or you know whether it's the, the um you know the, the fires in california or you know the, in, in australia that we've seen as well or the floods in germany last year but joining those together um, and making the link between that and the food and drink we consume every day that's that's the next step interestingly you know the research that we that we commissioned for fair trade fortnight shows that 78 percent of the public say it's important that people overseas who, who who produce these staple products are able to adapt to climate change so consumers here want to be able to buy and drink tea in the future and coffee and and they want to be able to eat bananas and they want farmers to be able to help tackle the problem so it's it's for us in federal it's just about joining the dots you know people want to do the right thing and our job is to is to show them how how that can be done and and the really good news here is that we're working more than ever with really committed uh, businesses who themselves are putting the message out so so there are, there is now a sort of coalition if you like of the faith groups and the and the charities and the campaigners who launched fair trade all those years ago, but also working now with enlightened companies and and together we're you know we're making progress we're getting that message out and at the same time we're able to prove more and more that farmers who are able to work in the fair trade system are more resilient they bounce back more quickly from from these you know weather shocks. 
Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you say, fair trade has been going for 25 years. You've been very much at the, the forefront of um, sustainability, fairness, uh, equality and, and a fair price, obviously, for, for, for commodities. Um, it strikes me in the last two or three years, there's been a, a general shift in understanding. I don't know whether it's because of the younger consumers, the, G, the, G, the Gen Zers, the millennials, they're all now demanding um products that um that fair trade have uh, you know have been have stood for, for for the last 25 years haven't they you know sustainability good for me good for the planet transparency where does this come from you know what's been involved in its production um you know and can i you know it's it's it, can i consume eat buy this guilt-free basically isn't it and uh, do you think there's a is it making your job easier now do you think um, it's a it's a very good point Anthony I think there are a number of things you know a number of factors at play um, I mean obviously I, I would hope that fair trade's played a, an important part in in you know setting that agenda over the years yeah. um, but of course the internet uh, social media you know that's a 24 7 information world means that uh, there's really nowhere to hide anymore um, and uh, you know information is out there bad news gets out there so where it might have been possible you know 25 30 years ago for, for, for companies to assume that supply chain problems were out of sight and therefore out of mind you know, that's no longer the case and this is only going to go one way and the other point you make which I think is really important is exactly as you say the younger generation really really get it and they are you know they are losing patience in, in, from all the data that i see with companies who don't walk the talk so you know I, and anyway that's that's perhaps one of the one of the upsides of you know our children spending so much time on the internet and so much time on their on their mobile phones you know, scrolling through their feeds you know they're aware they're engaged and they're aware and they uh, increasingly move, move. you know, they move their finance, their funding, their support from companies who are seen to be part of the problem. And one of the interesting areas of growth for us is in cosmetics. And that's being driven by um, younger people who want to make sure that, you know, the, 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 the beauty products, the health products that they, that they use are fair and ethical and supportive of a better world so we've seen real growth in you know demand for shea butter cocoa butter olive oil vanilla coconut oil all of those kinds of products that go into cosmetics um driven by the younger generation and i think it's fabulous more power to their elbows good uh, on on that note as well very general speaking i think another um piece of data you've released this week i think it's from from the co-op uh, the cooperative uh, supermarket uh, for people that don't know uh, basically the spending on the green pound in uh, the so-called green pound which is a lovely phrase in the uk is is broken through the 100 billion mark and also particularly good for fair trade cocoa uh, cocoa sales are up by three percent so again this is all a great great message isn't it take to you know to 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 take things forward yes you're absolutely right um last year uh, the co-op uh, commissioned an ethical consumerism report um and uh, they recorded in that that fair trade sales across the board showed an increase of 14 percent um so you know that's that's a, there's a wonderful convergence there of of people looking for the fair trade mark and asking for fair trade when they go shopping but also committed companies seeing that it is part of their own business futures too and of course the, the co-op has, has has been a standout champion of fair trade for for many years now another factor i think is the um the impact of the pandemic you know and and, and lockdown um it, it became very clear to people very quickly that 
our health and welfare in this country is intimately connected to the health and welfare of communities we may never meet right across the world. Now, that's been you know, a message, a very sort of positive message of fair trade for years. But suddenly, you know, we were watching news reports of of you know, the, the, the impact of the pandemic in India, for example, and recognising that our own futures depended on being able to solve that too. So there was a, a sense of perhaps all of this, you know, the, all of this being interconnected. And you know all of us being in this together. And one of the things that we saw, which is really interesting, in in 2020 and 2021, was a significant increase in searches for fair trade, particularly through online retail. So you know supermarkets reporting um, you know, more people looking actively for fair trade uh, products when they shop online. I, I think as a response to wanting to be part of the solution. Good, good. And I, th- I think we've we've discussed a lot of the messages in your in the Fair Trades um, climate campaign. Choose the world you want. Um, it's in its second year. Um, just really, how can um, consumers engage in, in in that? Is it something that that's um, you know in in store promotions or online? How how can people find out more about that campaign? Uh, well, we have a, we have a, uh, I mean, every, every fair trade fortnight, we would try and get out there and meet people and talk. And of course, this year, again, it has to be virtual just because of where we are with the pandemic. But we have a virtual festival. So the Choose the World You Want festival, um, uh, more than 40 events, all of them online. Um, and you can sign up uh, and either join live or you can watch the pre-records um, by going to the uh, fairtrade.org.uk website and you'll find all the details there. Um, but the other thing, of course, is, and, and this is, I think it's really important when there are so many reasons to, to be despairing when you read the news. Mm-hmm. Fair trade is a small act of optimism and positivity and hope that you can get inv- involved in every day just by looking for the fair trade mark when you go shopping. Because that point I made earlier, when you buy a fair trade chocolate bar or a fair trade cup of coffee, you know that more money goes to those farmers who grew who grew those products um, and that means that they can they can do what they need to do today tackle the climate crisis invest in their farms help to build better and more resilient communities um, and so if all of us do it in enough of enough quantities around the world amazing things start to happen so you know globally fair trade sales last year topped eight billion dollars it's an awful lot of people looking for a fair trade banana or a fair trade chocolate bar, but $8 billion of sales around the world. Um, and that's wonderful. And I, I, the more we can do that, the more we can make sure farmers get an additional income, which uh, basically means that we're backing them to be, right. you know, to be the experts they want to be to help really improve the, the, the resilience of the land and the resilience of their farming in the face of the climate crisis. So, you know, it, it, there is a positive action we can do today. And let's, you know, let's remember, while we're still, we, we need to put pressure on governments. We need, you know, better action from governments at COP, COP27, the next one in Egypt um, in November. But at the same time, the more consumers can show they care, the more businesses will respond. It's always been that way. And the more businesses respond, the more government takes notice. So you end up with a, a wonderfully important multiplying effect. But it does start with each of us, which is why we're saying choose the world you want. Don't wait for somebody else to choose it for you. Be that change today. Good. And, and finally, and I, I don't wish to end on a, on a, on a, on a, on a low, low note, uh, but I'd like to talk about... Um, the, the fair trade uh, regarding cocoa, the fair trade premium it pays to farmers and the additional income all has a 
hugely beneficial effect on um, on farmer income. Um, it, you know, it can help prevent child labour, help can prevent deforestation, and it's um, it's a, it's a, it's a standard certification. It's been there a long time, and um, but I know now lots of companies. This is the problem generally with the cocoa industry. Lots of big companies have their own private certification schemes. It's everyone's. Um, you know, and it's very confusing. A lot of companies doing really good work, um, but you know, I was I was surprised, and I'm sure Fair Trade were. You know, with the news last last year that Nestle's Kit Kat was dropping Fair Trade as its as its certification program. Um, how how did that affect the uh, the organisation? I think the, the the important thing is to to recognise that the cocoa sector, in particular, like many other agricultural sectors really needs enormous change so you wouldn't need fair trade if the, if the, if there weren't you know major problems you know we're there because it's difficult so on one level i'm really encouraged that companies who have been buying vast volumes of cocoa for many decades and not solving these problems are starting to recognize their own responsibility you know that's a really good thing so in the last couple of years one of the things I, i've been you know, really encouraged to see is the number of industry actors in the cocoa sector talking about the need to pay a living income to the smallholders who grow most of the world's cocoa um, i mean absolutely right you know outrageous that it's taken us this long but absolutely right to recognize living income is a very 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 important aspect of you know human decency and and ethical trade and then then the problem then as you say is is different companies are approaching these things in different ways so what i would say is you need to look for authenticity so so for me if you want to start addressing farmer incomes and addressing living income surely surely you start with the farmer you, you ask the farmer what she or he wants and, and you engage them as the leaders and agents in their own initiative. So fair trade is the only scheme which is co-owned by the farmers and workers. So, you know, they they decide on strategy in fair trade. We are we are in the markets accountable to our producer colleagues. Um, and of course, fair trade is independent. That's another aspect of this. I don't think any company should be marking their own homework. We are an independent auditor. We were set up by aid agencies and faith groups and civil society organizations. We're not a profit-making vehicle. So authenticity for me means things should begin and end with the farmer. You know, there's a there's a, a phrase which my colleagues in Federal Africa use a lot, which is nothing about me without me is for me. So if a corporate scheme has been created in a corporate headquarters and is not farmer-owned, farmer-led, farmer-engaged, farmer-critiqued, it's unlikely to be on the side of the farmer. Michael, thank you very much. I think we'll end it on that. You've, you've just explained perfectly, you know, what, what fair trade does, what it means to a lot of people and, um, you know, why why consumers should really look for this for the fair trade uh, label on on any of commodities that they buy, uh, because it does represent um, a change, you know, a change that it's and it's been there. It's been not struggling. It's been 25 years of reinforcing that message. And now I think for the next 25 years, hopefully your your, your message will be, will get a lot easier and you'll continue to lead the way. Um, in certification and fairness for, for farmers around the Thank world. Thank you. Thank you, Anthony. It does feel like this is going in the right direction. Um, and uh, yeah, happy fair trade for